0: Hello, hockey fans, and welcome back once again to the most watched show in junior hockey and also the most listened to show in junior hockey, the most potentially photographed show in junior hockey, and after a recent visit to the Mountain America Center, certainly the fullest show in junior hockey. And now I turn to my left and I intro in a man who ate more potatoes per capita last night than potentially the entire state of Idaho. It's Dan K. Dan, how you feeling, little potato boy? I feel
1: very full. (laughs) I haven't eaten yet today. So I I understand that audio podcasts, we listen to them at our own pace, right? So you may be a couple episodes behind. You might be hearing this in January, February, whenever you're listening in to the Dan Kay Show on your time, on your leisure time, as we like to call it here, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. But I'll tell you this, the food here in Idaho Falls is unbelievable. The team here in Idaho Falls set us up with a tour de force of food. And my stomach has never been more full. It was all delicious. It was all incredible. I did not dislike any of it, but I will say this, get the season ticket package here in Idaho Falls. For those of you Idaho Falls fans out there, don't try to do it all in one night. (laughs) One day at a time, take the whole season, buy the season ticket plan now. You can reach out to the Idaho Falls Kings for that. But I mean, this event, this time, there's nothing better than this. There's nothing better than watching right now, not just what you all see in front of the curtain, but what's going on behind the curtain in the league office with Bob Turro, Kevin Abrams, someone, hmm, a name we might hear in just a second. And, and you know, and this entire crew in the league office that is seeing the future for the NCDC and seeing how bright it can be if everything is done similar to what we're doing here in the Mountain America Center, in the MAC, pack the MAC, as they say. And our guest today is just one of those names that we just mentioned. Bob Turro not here because he decides to go to Florida and Vegas on his trips, and sends Kevin Abrams, I believe, to Newfoundland, uh, northern <laughs> Saskatchewan, and Idaho Falls on his trips. Kevin Abrams, how are we doing today? Good, sir.
2: Wonderful, and it is a pleasure to be here in balmy Idaho Falls. I will say, uh, Mr. Turrell can enjoy the the fruits of whatever uh, Las Vegas may offer, but this is, uh, this is a close... 1B, I'd say, not even second. It's pretty good here in Idaho Falls.
1: I'll tell you what, outside of the fog that freezes on trees, this is the venue, the city, the surrounding people, the way they've gotten behind this Idaho Falls Spud Kings team. I mean, we were out after the game last night. We went to grab some food. We're talking to a guy sitting there at the bar, and he's, he's wearing his Spud King stuff, and he's talking about these guys like it is the Boston Bruins in a Stanley Cup race right now, talking about his favorite players, telling us all this stuff. And he goes, you know, your voices sound so familiar. You sound like those top 10 guys I watch. And I said, we are those top 10 guys you watch. And that's just how like the, the love behind this, the care behind it, it's
2: amazing to be a part of. Well, it's terrific. I mean, it's a success story right from almost the drop of the first puck here. And I think, you know, when, if you build it, they'll come. And this is a facility built somewhere that I don't think they anticipated um, exactly what was going to land here when it, came, when it came to a hockey team. And, I, and we're really pleased that it's the NCDC. But I think when you see how they do things, it, it, it isn't just the spectacular facility. It's the wonderful people here that make this uh, such a professional operation. I think, you know, you look at their game operations and it's, you know, second to none. Um, you know, the whole experience here, and I think the fans really... Uh, Make it so that you know it, it is a destination that everyone should reach. You know, I think if you're if you're a lover of junior hockey and you like to sort of go to some places that you might not ever anticipate going, this has to be up there on that list because I came here last year and uh, was blown away by at, at then the premier level. Uh, you know, seeing 4,000 people, uh, every bit as passionately supporting their team. You know, last season as they are today, and I think as the NCDC grows and certainly gets uh, you know, a stronger foothold in, in the West, um, this will be you know, the centerpiece and certainly the, uh, the goal for everybody and the standard for everybody to try to, to, to reach. And I think this, is, uh, this event is, is no surprise uh, and um, it's just a spectacular place, there's no question.
1: Now Kevin, for the folks who might not be the hockey buffs who know everything in and out of the game, can you kind of let them know where you came from what you've done in your career here give the little resume rundown and then what you're doing now overseeing this national collegiate development conference product can you can you let the
2: folks sure yeah Uh, the last 17 years uh, before arriving here i was the uh, the commissioner of the central canada hockey league which is a 12-team league that's based in eastern ontario and um, had done that for 17 years five of those years i was the chairman of the canadian junior hockey league which is the 10 league association of leagues if you will right from the bc hockey league at that time to uh, the maritime league so that was really my my uh, my career as far as administration goes um, with respect to junior a hockey um over the last 17 seasons and i think uh, before that i had done a lot of the things that people do before they get jobs like i i had in 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 canada is that i you know i coached at the junior a level i I managed i owned teams uh, all at this at this level I had a cup of coffee in minor pro hockey in the U.S. and Texas uh, as a coach and uh, spent a little bit of time in the Ontario Hockey League uh, in various capacities from coaching to managing to um, director of player personnel type positions. So I sort of have had two different hockey careers, if you will, but certainly the last 17 years uh, has really allowed me to segue into this position, um, use some of the things that I was able to sort of collect along the way and and, help. you know, I think the exciting thing about the NCDC and, and the USPHL is the, the opportunity and potential for growth, which is something that I, th- I think after 17 years in the same place, I recognized there wasn't a whole lot more uh, to do. And um, um, Bob Turrell had been a friend for many, many years, 30 years. And, and I, I thought, well, this, is a, this sounds interesting. And we had a few conversations when he first took the job. Uh, it was interesting to hear him ask questions about what, what he was sort of getting himself into. And uh, I gave him what I could in terms of just say, hey, this is what to expect. But little did I know that the, just the, the massive size of the operation and the league itself, and then I think uh, really the tip of the iceberg feeling about where it can go is what really got me sort of rejuvenated. Uh, and uh, this is career number three for me in hockey. So I'm looking forward to it and I'm really enjoying the first year and a half.
1: Yeah, and our opportunity to kind of watch what has gone on behind the curtain with yourself Bob and, and the rest of the league office and see the care behind it see the vision that you you both have in where this thing can go it's been it's been so so much fun for us to watch and I think it's starting to leak out there into this hockey world into these fans minds into parents minds into the players minds and that's what I want everyone who watches this show maybe from from the youth level of the game trying to work their way up, trying to find their way into an N C D C draft selection, trying to work their way up the game. And and those of you playing right now, to understand just the sights are high right now, right? This is this yeah. is we're shooting for the moon at this thing. We're trying to grow this thing. We're trying to build it better. And events like this one the Frozen Futures out here in Idaho Falls. You're talking about sellouts every single night here in this building. You're talking about Dan K eating 20,000 calories of food. You're talking great broadcast. You're talking a venue that, I mean, they just had tool in the building a couple days before we jump here. The Dropkick Murphys are coming in after we're done. Cole Swindell's coming in, you know, the Brothers Osborne. Like, this is a big time venue, not just for hockey, but for all events. and. To have the Frozen Futures here, to have such success, to have the fans so invested in it, I'm sure it's gotta be kind of the fruits of your labor. You get the kind of checkpoint here, look and go, hey, we're getting there.
2: Well, I really think we are. I think, um, you know, just in my short time here, i you know, obviously been really impressed with everybody that Bob's assembled on staff. And you know, of course you guys included, but just the group of people. And, and I think uh, the level of in, interest and, 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 and passion and uh, commitment um, is really, really invigorating for I think everybody. I think everybody can feed off one another's energy, and I think you know when you see that there's really no limit to the to how good this could be or how much it can grow. Um, then I think it allows your mind to wander and sort of you can you can sort of see well wow there's there's really no limit to what we could do, and I think at the end of the day we we want to reach the potential that's achievable, but right now. There aren't a whole lot of limits in front of us, and I think we can set our our, our, our sights at some really high and lofty goals, and um, and we're trying to do that. And I think uh, you know you got you got to be careful not to get ahead of yourself and make sure your operations don't suffer when you're sort of planning um, the future and not forget about the current. But I think you can do both, and I think we've done a good job of that. And and um, again, I think that. Um, the exciting piece for everybody involved is that where this can go can be something to be really proud of, and that's what I think everybody looks looks forward to.
0: And, I mean, added to the incredible hockey resume, how about an incredible podcast voice on top sounds of it? Sounds like you could work for CBC. Because like that's, it, it sounds good to, to you, Dan, but I'm hearing it in my ears <laughs> as the as the monitor. We're going to get you to do some NCDC um like ASMR recordings for, <laughs> for some stat lines for the Denise. <clears throat> You'll be recording the intro, but the NPR style intro. Um, let's, let's talk about the name of this event, right? Frozen Futures. This year there was a pretty, we won't say dramatic, but there was a shift in the way that the NCDC kind of operated It's its draft, its scouting, this league going younger. We've talked a little bit about already this season about what that means for these teams. But now that we are at this point in December, how do you think that switch to youth has has really developed this league a little bit more? You've seen it in the in the East, you've seen it now in the West. Does it pass the eye test for you?
2: It, it, it does. It does. I think what you have to be realistic about is, unlike a lot of things, it isn't a light switch you flip, and there's a there's a process. And you know what you can't do at the expense of getting younger is is automatically decide that you're going to forgo what's already in place so you have to it has to be a blended approach and so sometimes you think well you know how can you get younger and the only way you can get younger is is to consciously make those decisions to to let the rosters become younger it doesn't mean that you take weaker players it doesn't mean you take lesser athletes or or players with less potential what it does mean is that when you approach things where there's little to choose or nothing to choose between one player or another you you obviously would defer to the younger player, and I think that's always really been the way people should or, or or have done things. But typically, sometimes the lower hanging fruit is a little bit easier to to achieve. So sometimes what will happen is, you know, this guy. Well, well, we'll worry about him, and we'll get him next year. Well, I think that's what ends up happening is you if you try to sort of hothouse players outside of your own umbrella there's really no guarantee that next year will ever arrive for that player. So I think what you have to do is is look at a young player and say, can he play now, and if he stays with us over a period of time, you know, what kind of in- impact can he make to our organization, and how can we assist in his development so that he's going to surpass the level of the player that he was just inching ahead of uh, at this training camp because in two or three years, he's likely going to be light years ahead of that player. I used to say when I was involved in scouting that, you know, you go into drafts sometimes and you say, well, you know, we gotta get bigger. And then you'd have your scouting staff. And when I ran some scouting uh, staffs, they would, they would always come up with players that weren't bigger. And, I, and I, I used to say, well, the only way you can get bigger is to get bigger. So when there's a player that's bigger than the player that's smaller and they're tied, you have to make that decision. We're gonna take the bigger player because that's part of it. Well, getting younger is much like that. Two players, somewhat equal, who's younger, who has the best opportunity to improve more and you know that's why it takes time you can't have 20 guys all of a sudden take 20 spots from guys that are older because obviously they're not going to be as good 20 versus 20 but one at a time um, is how you do that and I think the you know the mountain division has certainly taken uh, some really progressive steps and even in Atlantic and New England uh, divisions I think you know, there's been a, there's been a real move towards recognizing young players that are able to play and get them in the lineup. Um, there's really no benefit to taking a young player and not having them play. So I think that's where that's the you know the balancing act is. You know, the older player mightn't have a good place to go um, if he doesn't make the team and might never come back. The young player, um, you know, might have a good place to go. So you got to factor that in a little bit. But I think I'd I'd, I'd say you know. Go with the younger guy whenever that's possible and i think that's what they've done
0: well and it's interesting too because you talk about this idea that oh we'll take the 20 year old and we'll see how the younger guy will we'll check back in next year what that does is it kind of outsources the development to somebody else right and what i know what the usphl and the premier and elite has done and what the ncdc continues to do is to talk about development it is you know essentially in the name right and i think one other interesting effect that it's had is it sort of started to rebuild the affiliate system in a way we're starting to see that some ncdc teams are reaching out to premier teams and in some greater numbers we also have an affiliation that you know dan and i worked on between the potomac patriots and the pueblo bulls who are here at this event so i mean this affiliate system feels like a really good way to as you said kind of take some of these younger players in and say okay we want them to develop they're not quite ready Let's see if there's an affiliate team that could that can have, that does have that ice time that can develop them. Yep. So, do you feel like that affiliate system coming back is going to be <clears throat> something that's positive?
2: Well, it's really positive. I think I think you know the unique thing I've observed with the premier level, and, and I'm certainly far from being an expert on it, but what I've observed is that every player there would like to play at a higher junior level, um, so they would like to play in the NCDC, and we're giving them real opportunities to come and do that. Um, What's under, like really, really uh, impressive to me about the premier level player is that while his aspirations at the junior level are still to move up to the NCDC, there's an unbelievable success story being told for every premier player that goes on to play collegiate hockey. And that is the best kept secret. And I call it a secret because I used to think that I would know much about almost every level. And I was sort of have a good, I was kind of plugged in. I had no idea. I had no idea that premier players that didn't make that step to the NCDC had huge opportunities to play NCAA, particularly Division Three, ACHA hockey, AAU hockey. Um, I just had no idea that that path was so solid and the percentages were so high of those players moving on. So you can say to a player at any age, you've got a future involving your play um, and, and attach that to academics. And I've always been a really huge proponent in, in tying academics to athletics, and, and in my case, obviously, with hockey. But but it's such a great story to tell because the numbers support it. It isn't it isn't hypothetical. It's not pie in the sky. It is, this is what's happened here. And, you know, if you're a good enough player and you're playing at a high enough level and you're academically sound, you will play someplace. And we all hope it's Division One. Um, but the reality is the vast majority of players playing junior hockey aren't going to play Division One. but little do they know that there is a surefire path to get them to Division Three, ACHA, AAU, because there's so many opportunities for, for, for young players that I don't think they know enough about until it becomes almost like too late and they have to react really quickly. So we can be proponents of that at the NCDC level. We can say, come on up and play NCDC from Premier. We've got a great affiliation system that you alluded to, if that works and you end up going hopefully D1 great but you know what keep keep plugging away because there is a future for you in the game that involves you playing hockey when you graduate from junior hockey so when you're playing 21 you're not talking about putting your equipment away except to play on Thursday nights with your dad you know you're going to be <laughs> playing you're going to be playing someplace where it still is feels like a great team environment and you're practicing regularly and you're going to school and to me, that's a massive success story that needs to be told.
1: Now, let me jump in real quick. You look at the NCDC product. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from the parent, the player listening in right now, that might be maybe a draft prospect coming up this year. Maybe a player playing elsewhere that, that's looking at the NCDC as a, a potential trajectory, a, a potential spot in their, ba- their path here. When you think of the NCDC on a weekly basis, when you look at this, what am I getting as a player? What are these teams providing? We always talk about the D and NCDC's development, right? That's what this is all about. It's Development League. What does that development look like? What does it look like on a day-in, day-out basis for these players around the country, in the Atlantic, the New England, and out here in the mountains?
2: Well, I I, I think one of the things that we've really worked on in in my short time here has been really trying to make sure that the the minimum operating standards are are really adhered to right across the board so that the the player experience from team A to team B to team C is is in line. Now there's always going to be somebody that does something better in each area. Somebody finishes first, someone finishes last, someone does the best job at this. So consequently there's always going to be somebody that needs to get better. But I, I think the focus has to be on making sure that those those minimum operating standards are consistently applied, and I think we're really making head, really, really, really good headway with that. The other thing is that the player benefits, which kind of tie in somewhat to minimum operating standards, but the player benefits have to be consistent too. So when you say you play in that league, uh, and it's the NCDC, um, you know what you, you know what to expect, you know what you're going to receive, you know what opportunities are going to exist, and you kind of know what a day in the life is and one thing i was really impressed with when i first came in last year i did a bit of a, a tour of, of the majority of the facilities in in, in the two eastern um, conferences and divisions was that the the delivery of the services like in terms of the player uh, training facilities the academic options they had um, was outstanding and it was something that i wasn't really as, as aware of as i felt i should have been but having seen it sort of with my own eyes i thought you know this is a story we need to tell, not team by team, but as a league. This is what happens, and I think that's all part of, of the standards and, and the player benefits. Is that hey, listen, it doesn't matter what team you go to, this is what's going to happen when you get there, and and I think being able to do that consistently, um, that just makes us a more attractive destination. And I really think that we're, you know, we're, we're moving in that direction. It's never as fast as everybody wants, um, but as long as there's you know forward movement and sort of there's the you see progress. I think you have to stay the course. And I think that's where we're at right now. We're, we've got some some exciting new things coming, of course, but I think day-to-day we're getting better and stronger and more consistent. We're applying things more consistently. And I think you're gonna see better and better results as a result of that, so.
1: Yeah, and folks at home, I have been on plenty of your operations calls and they are detailed, we are granular, we are getting down every grain of sand and getting it right, and that's the goal, right? It's yeah. when you're trying to clean the beach, it's one grain of sand at a time, sometimes, right? Yeah, and, and that's what's happening. It's that cleanup. It's that. It's it's getting this league to a place where you guys are, are going to be proud of it, and, and the players that play in it are going to be proud to play in it. And I think you should be right now.
2: Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah, you know, I think the calls, um, and sometimes I wonder, but the calls, to be honest with you, because I think, <laughs> well, am I am I just sort of regurgitating the same message? But there's a lot of tieover and, and overlap from from one call to another. But I think the messaging that we have at the league office has to be consistent too so if we're going to expect consistency in delivery of services um you know we're we're obliged to do the same thing when it comes to what we're doing so i get on the call and you know i feel like i'm doing way more talking than i should be but at the end of the day if i don't provide the the consistent messaging then you sort of lose you lose the momentum so we try not to do that we try to do it so that everyone knows what's expected I always circle back to the last call to make sure that there's no loose ends. Then we can you know, only try to talk about where we're going next. And and you know I think as we get to the, the sort of the halfway point, I always figure the calendar year represents that. Um, I'm I'm good with where we are. I think we've tied up a lot of loose ends. I think you know from a, uh, the, from the perspective of rules and regs, I really think we've tightened some things up and we've gotten way better as we've gone along. Um, we, we certainly have lots more to do, but I think, you know, I, I can see the obvious changes and, you know, for the better, I think we're, we're really growing in that area. So I think that's the important piece for us is to keep sending the same messages, uh, keep keep our expectations high of the teams um, and, you know, support them when they need help. And I think we're not about trying to point fingers and it, there's no aha moments on calls. It's all about got, or gotcha mentalities. It's about um, let's make everybody better. And if you need help, we'll help you. But you've got to be honest about needing help, and we'll be there. And I, I look at you guys, and I think every every department we have in the league, everybody wants to help somebody that truly needs the help. Um, but, you know, they, there's got to be some, some, some responsibility taken by the teams too. They have to say, well, you know what, I should know that, I will know that, and this is going to be the last time you're going to have to remind me of this, right? And yeah. I think that's kind of where you know you've got to a point where – it's sinking in is when you're not getting the same guys asking the same questions or asking for the same things in help, you know? So I think we're getting there. I do. I think we're getting there. So.
1: And I'll tell you, yeah, no, no one cares more <clears throat> for the folks at home. I mean, we, us getting an opportunity to work with Kevin, somebody who is we joked around off the air about us being severely professional. We, <laughs> Kevin had to bump in us wearing two King's crowns. From a Happy Meal that yeah. said Spud Kings on it, and we we questioned if maybe we were the commissioners now because we had the well, crown on.
2: Yeah, well, you certainly looked the part. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think you know, just the the impression was certainly that that you know you had all that going for you. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think uh, I can say this though that I think everybody that's involved at the league level, whether it's you guys or Josh out there, was working tirelessly here as well at this event. You know, like Guys like George Kelly, Deb Raymond, Deb Madden, you know, and Bob Turow assembled a terrific team, uh, Gene Bindon and his group. You know, I, I just think that, um, you know, we've got everybody that really does well in, 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 and does a great job in their lanes. And I think, you know, it's good for us to cross lanes and talk about it. And um, the meetings are good for that and the calls are good for that. But you, you have confidence in everybody, like, is, is rolling in the same direction. Like, you're not worried about somebody else's – part not being up to speed because everybody's really committed to it and I think the work ethic is is the key and um you know the I, I think everybody brings that to the table and that's really this I think that's really the genesis of any success is everyone's going to be prepared to work a little bit harder than, than than maybe they thought they had to and that's what everybody does
0: and Dan you missed a uh, you missed a good call uh this past week Kevin I know you said you don't like to point fingers on these calls I may have pointed my finger a little bit uh-huh. um, at, at the group because, you know, the, the thing is, is we sometimes get passionate on these on these operations calls. Of course and we do. We get passionate because we care about the NCDC and the product. And, you know, I think that that reflects well on the league and, and you know, league officials such as yourself and Bob that you guys inspire this passion to want to see it doing doing so much better. And I, I accidentally absolutely scared my Uber driver. I was in an Uber on the way back from the airport. <laughs> I had my headphones in, I'm listening into the meeting. And then all of a sudden out of the out of the, the silence, all of a sudden I go, yeah, I got something to say. And my Uber <laughs> driver t- panicked, turned off all the knobs, was like, oh, I have to be quiet now. Um, but yeah, no, those those lead calls are, are great. They're a good chance for everyone to kind of, if they have something on their chest, right, get, get it off their chest a little bit or just gently remind people of X, Y, and Z. But you know, for Dan and myself, we have certainly seen this this NCDC product take leaps and bounds. I think over the, the last couple of years in terms of not just the actual on the ice product, but the little details. Right. We, we posted a picture to our story yesterday of, you know, logo pucks for the showcase coaches that come out and there's a standard for dress. Right. That's enforced league wide little things that you have to have an expert like yourself come into the room and, and really know about and be able to point that out and go. This is something no one's thinking about, but I guarantee it's gonna make a, a huge impact. So, I mean, the, the work that you've done coming in is is just incredible, and for folks who are, whether you're a parent of an NCDC player, you know, a D1, D3, ACHA scout, whoever it is, just know that there is so much going on behind the scenes. There is hours of meetings every week just <laughs> trying to get it all together. So, I mean, from that respect, it's been great to watch the NCDC grow over the last couple of years.
2: What? you know and that's really good it's kind of you and it's good of you to say that because I think you know you n- you never know you know what measuring sticks are out there in terms of you know how is this being received and I you know I, I I take when when teams very seldom speak on the calls I've learned over the years that that's not necessarily always a bad thing because sometimes it's like okay well I've answered the questions they know what they need to know um, you sometimes worry that people aren't aren't as focused as they should be but at the end of the day If you do enough circling back you realize that everybody's got it and so they did you know you're you're, maybe it's time for you to move on and and go to the next subject but i think in your case you know you had some issues that that were really important and and i think the teams recognize how important each area is because of the the level of commitment and passion that we are the people we have on staff so you know when guys like yourself talk about something with our broadcasting or or you know whatever it is really specifically the the issue of the day, they know that you didn't just decide in the last couple of minutes to, to speak about that. You've you, you've arrived at that point as opposed to just off the top of your you know off the top of your head or off the cuff. And and I know that you know whether it's George Kelly with statistics and the league stat and the things that are working on the, on the web platform with statistically, when he speaks, it's because it's gotten to the point where now okay I've I've done enough listening and now I have to bring this forward Mm -hmm. and the teams recognize that so I think that's good and I think it's uh, having everyone feel like they can speak freely and and because I I think everybody brings a level of expertise that I don't pretend to have in all those areas and I I welcome that input because it does give the, the teams a perspective that everybody's doing something in their lane that really makes us all better and I think that's really what everybody's trying to do so.
0: Now let's let's talk about the future of the NCDC, right? Now I know that there is a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes as we just talked about. So what is what is the next maybe year or two going to look like in your mind of the NCDC? You can talk about as 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 specific as general as you like here, but give the folks at home kind of a clue of what they can expect from the NCDC in the next year or two.
2: Um, well, I, I can, I'll, I'll speak openly about everything. I think that um, we recognize that growth is important. We recognize that um, growth at the expense of not addressing the day-to-day is, is not good growth. It's, it's erratic, and we don't want to do that. I think that um, when we look at um, this division in, in the Mountain region, um, there was always a plan and an agenda for this to grow beyond the original six teams. And that's, I believe, falling into place. You know, for for 24, 25, I would expect in the new year we'll hear, you know, some confirmations of locations um, in and around this footprint geographically. And um, what that growth looks like in terms of numbers depends. You know, whether it's one team or two teams or or three teams, that's up in the air. Because I think what we're, we're really trying to focus on is is sensible growth and success with the growth. so you know adding six teams is is a big jump. Um, it's every bit as important to add the right next one two or three as it was to add the right six. So that's important and I think we're gonna get there. Um, the uh, I, I you know I, as far as the, the Atlantic and New England divisions go, I don't sense there's a really a, a need for growth. I think we've got to really focus on those markets and make sure that everything is, is working well in those in those areas first if there is growth in the, in those markets it would be because you know we've got everything where it needs to be the locations are all solid and everyone is in agreement that there's time to perhaps do something more uh, so but i don't think that's a, you know a short-term issue i think that's perhaps down the road a ways um i think that you know one of the unique things about the uspho is that we're we're independent operators in terms of leagues um every every league that operates in the US and Canada for the most part. Um, it operates in silos, right? The double the IHF um, creates silos by country. So consequently, you know, when you try to run a league in Canada, you're running a Canadian league. And, and Canada has made what I think is a poor decision because even within Canada, there's silos. So there's 13 silos and you can only have leagues within each silo. Um, and teams can't be from one side or the other, with very few exceptions. Um, and likewise, in America, you know, you've got you know leagues that play in America. And where I'm going with this is because we're not that. Um, it's a borderless world for us, and um, there's no question that the two greatest hockey nations on the planet are the USA and Canada in terms of every volume metrics that you could apply, the most players, the most percentages, and all that sort of stuff. And the fact that we can, can we can have conversations about growth without being confined by a silo, I think is really exciting. And that's, I'll, I'll be frank, one of the major reasons why um, I felt this was a good opportunity for me, because having been in junior hockey uh, administratively for the last 20 years almost, um, I recognize what the limitations are and and because there are none um i think we need to really look at how exciting it could be to have cross-border leagues and conferences and divisions and um, act like canadians and americans do when it comes to almost every part of our lives we don't consider there to be much of a border or difference (laughs) but yet when you let bureaucrats make decisions they find ways to segregate this and we know this is over there so we're going to leave that there and um that's where I think we're going, and I think uh, that could be sooner than later. It could be larger than smaller. It could be. Um, it could. It could be. You know. It could really alter the landscape of the junior hockey uh, that we know in the eastern half, certainly of of, of the continent, um, and and that would be the ultimate. Now, it may be a lesser version of that, but the potential for it to be that significant exists. And, um, and that's really where I think we're going and I think in the next 30 to 60 days we'll have a pretty good feel for that and I think if that happens you know we'll be having lots of conversations about how big a, a, a change is making to the hockey landscape and how that can make a difference for the NCDC and and um, how it can create even more opportunities for more players and um, it even better playing or player experiences and that's really what I think, Gets everybody's juices flowing is that this is something that's really different, and it's going to really make a difference.
1: Yeah, and I'll say from my point of view, I mean, as somebody who knew this league back when it was ten teams kicking things off, breaking away from another league, and and just in the Northeast and a small little little startup, this mom and pop that everyone wanted to fire arrows at because they had the gall to break away, right? And you've seen what it's grown into, and it hasn't grown into this size and and its stature as the largest amateur organization in hockey in the world, by accident, it's happened because people want to play here, right? And so many times in this game of hockey, there, there's so much politics. As a guy who came from the world of baseball before this, right, and got into hockey because my last name sounded like an Eastern European, and I got a job at the Philadelphia Flyers, and luckily had a guy like Glenn Adamo in my corner to help push a little bit at the time to, to get me in there. And you look, you look at this sport. It, it was I was fast to take to very politicized right there you talk about bureaucracy in your last answer and people always want to throw arrows at the guy who's who just is a little different right like what's this guy doing what's this guy thinking why is don cherry wearing this suit why is doc emmerich doing this like they want to throw it, they want to throw the arrows yeah. in the barbs but you look at what this league is growing into from behind the scenes it was it was a it was a ramp in terms of team size and in terms of league size but things were taking a little longer to build What we've seen in terms of growth in the last year and a half since you and Bob have been working together on this thing behind the scenes has been about 20 years of growth on the trajectory we were. And it's nothing nothing bad about what it was before. It was a lot to take in. You're talking about over 100 teams in mere months and years, right? But the growth, folks, in the last year and a half and where this thing can go. Lucas and I feel like we're kind of hanging on to a space shuttle right now. And if we can just fill the gas tanks, this thing can fly to the moon, right? And, and I, I feel like there is that same excitement as you kind of talked about in sure. you guys. And, and I feel like if for a player and a parent and a family right now listening in, this is, this is what we're trying to get you to take out of it.
2: It's true. I think, uh, listen, you know, the history of this league as I've come to know it. Uh, and I don't profess to know it inside out, but I know it fairly well is that it's it it was founded by very courageous people who said the status quo isn't what what we're all about we don't we don't think that works for us and um and that's a powerful statement to make um it's like it's like getting a bunch of people together and saying yeah you know um it's a mass divorce of, of of ideas and it's like I don't think that no matter what you're saying, I don't think that it's going to work for me. So you're you're saying, please don't go. You're playing. You're saying, if you go, there's going to be repercussions. You, you go through all the different stages of divorce from another association that start with, you know, uh, being sort of conciliatory and what can we do to make it work. To well, you, if you decide to do that, then you know you've you've gone to the dark side altogether. The guys that laughed, the four guys that i think were the founders of this um had to go through those emotions and get through all that and then land here and then when you land it's almost like well now what do we do and i think what they did was they said well we we put one foot in front of another and we make sure we run this season and we make sure that the the league as we know it is is tight and we, we close up what we have to for loose ends what i don't think anybody banked on was the rapidity and and the and the, the growth, um, in volume, the combination of the speed and the size, um, was I think unnerving for everybody, and so now it's like, oh, you want to join? Okay, you want to join, and you want to join, and so sometimes you're so overwhelmed with growth, uh, that you 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 lose sight of some of the things you would would say are really important from a foundation perspective, but. You recognize the, gro- the, the importance of the growth. What we've been able to do now is, is benefit from all that sort of chaotic or origin, which ended up getting the, this league so big so fast, and them doing such a great job keeping it afloat, making it work, and making everybody viable. Now our job is to take this and, and really create the foundation for that next level. And the next level will be continued growth, a bit more measured. Um, because we can afford to be measured but also because we know that the next few steps we take are are critically important to the long-term success of the organization so you know the the original growth was was out of people feeling the same emotions saying we got to get out of there we got to come and then now everybody's here and now we got to say okay we're here now we have to work to make sure we're always going to be here and that the next generation of people that take this over will look back 20 years and say, you know what, what they did 20 years ago was really important because now here we are. I think we can say that about the founders. I think what they did was really important. It was courageous. And now it's our our job to take it to another level as it will be somebody else's job in 20 years to do it again for us. So I think, you know, without them doing that, we wouldn't be having these conversations. I wouldn't be sitting here. Um, I wouldn't have left you know, the comfort and security of doing something that I've been doing for so long. I would have just said, well, you know, I'll keep doing the same thing. This is intriguing, exciting, and it's because of what those guys created that it's there. So I think that's kind of why we all owe a debt of gratitude to their courage. Okay. But I think now we see, wow, the, the sky is the limit and we're, we're shooting for the sky right about now. So
1: Yeah. future's bright, ladies and gentlemen. It is bright. We might just fly to the moon, but we might miss and go to the sun and the stars right there are big things coming in the NCDC. NCDC hockey, Tier Two, tuition free. It's your place to play if you're trying to get to the next level. It's your pathway to college hockey. That is the goal. That is the way to do it. And and you look at it, it. Doesn't matter where you play in the country nowadays. You got flow hockey. You got game broadcasts everywhere. We've got scouts in the building here at the Frozen Futures. We got them watching around the country. You got the Dan K Show in your corner. We're here to battle for you guys. Players first, as we always say. Kevin, we always end every. Show with parting words. Everyone has their parting words. Lucas tends to not be as verbose. Sometimes when we have dignitaries, he will speak. Tends to go silent Bob on me in these moments. Lucas, mm-hmm. your parting words. How do you want to close this out?
0: I do want to briefly. Oh, mention. Oh, this is big. This is big <laughs> for you. This is I do only, want to he's briefly only had to mention that like I, I gave I gave Kevin an out talking about the future. Right, I said you can be as specific or as general as you want, and he was like, No, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're doing. That courage doesn't come from a lot of people. It definitely comes from someone going with the outfit that he's gone today. I know this is an audio medium, but we are going to take a picture look. of him. It's a great. Look. It is. It is the patterned blue suit mm-hmm. bordering on like a grayish blue as well. They call it like a, a, a power suit, blue,
1: by the way. They call it a power blue.
0: And then you get the, you offset the gray with the straight pastel purple shirt, which mm-hmm. is incredible. The, the light pastel purple, the pants and then I believe those are Chelsea boots. Is that what they're called? They're actually
2: well, they are, it, but it's Thursday boots, right? The Thursday Boot Company. Okay.
0: Um, which
2: I think are <laughs> the finest boots made.
0: I've always wanted to get into a dress boot, and I yeah. just I don't have the courage to do it.
2: It's it's uh, they make a terrific boot, um, and um, you you can go up you can order them online. They're fantastic boots, and I, I I will tell you that they have the president's cut. I think this might be the. This isn't the president. It might be the captain's cut. I'm Ooh. not sure, but they have a few different models of of the dress boot. Um, so I'm I a fan <laughs> of the Thursday. Boot company. If they want to sponsor anything, we'll uh,
0: we'll certainly, we'll take, certainly hey, we'll, take. We'll tag them in this. <laughs> you know what the best sure? way to find out if I if I can pull off a boot is to send
1: me a boot and give hey, me your yeah. shot. And send us your boots. We've we've done this before and we've gotten yeah. free stuff in the mail. So let's see if we can get Thursday Boot Company. Yeah. Size we'll, uh, Just yeah. DM us because I can't. I almost said my address on the other mail. So <laughs> just, yeah. We're not going to give you the shipping yeah. address. DM us at the yeah. underscore K show. Then we'll send it to you. Uh, Kevin, your parting words outside of just being a uh, really well dressed.
2: Well, thank you for that. <laughs> oh, people will be pleased to hear that. I'm sure my parents will be proud. I think um, uh, my parting shot. I, really, I think it's an exciting time. This, this is truly my favorite time of year. Uh, my family knows this about me, and uh, I think you know you feel really uh, blessed to be in positions where you know you enjoy your work. You enjoy the people you work with and, you know, you'll, you think that you're making a difference and then, you know, when the holidays come and go and then you can't sort of wait to get back to doing what you do. Um, I, I think everybody feels a sense of gratitude and I certainly do that. Um, so my parting words are simply that, you know, this is a time to really appreciate what everybody has and um, there's exciting days ahead for the NCDC and I'm really proud to be part of that group and uh, be working with so many great people. So that's really... Um, all I'm going to say that, that I think would be considered any kind of parting words, but I uh, look forward to the next few months for sure.
1: That's it. And, and for me, I'm going to channel – Bob Turrow's a big Michigan football fan. I am not. I am anti-Michigan in any way, <laughs> anyhow. How do, you make, how do you make Michigan cookies? You put them in a big bowl and you beat them for three hours. That's what you do. But what do you call a Michigan Wolverine with a championship ring? A thief. You know, that's what you say. Those are, those are all a couple <laughs> jokes for him. But I will channel Jim Harbaugh here. And I will say, I always like to have parting words or a quote or something that goes along with either a guest or a subject matter, This goes along more with the subject matter. You know, we talked about Coach Ryan Day and he said, you know, some people are born on third base and think they hit a triple, right? And I think there's a lot in this industry of whether it's, it's organizations or whether it's, it's kind of leagues or it's, or it's teams or it's coaches or it's people who really will take on players that have already had the work done and they just go, Oh, well, here, just spend it here for another 365 days and then we'll send you off and we're gonna, we did it, right? It's our job. And what I see from this NCDC product more than anyone else, it's why we love it. It's why we're here. Bob asked us, why are you guys here? And I said, because we believe in what you're doing. We believe in the vision. We've seen every person that Bob has brought in since he's come in and we have gone, wow you just get that wow moment of, whether it's listening to you talk about hockey or Kelly Couturge going over things or or the Debs, Deb Raymond and Deb Madden working or George Kelly and all these, uh, Josh Boyd. And you look at the team that is here, you can see there's no one who's ever been born on third base and, and thought they hit a triple. These are people that'll bunt for a single, leg one out, steal second and score on a blooper. You know, that's what this group is here. And this league, the D is development folks, okay? It's the National Collegiate Development Conference and that's all we focus on here. We focus on developing your player, whether that's in the classroom, whether that's on the ice, whether that's anywhere in between in this game, whether it's billet families. We just had a great run in with Katie Sullivan Mickelson, who is too far away to billet for the Idaho Falls Spud Kings, So she's basically just the billet mom for everybody. She checks in on everyone. She makes sure all the players are okay. She's the one who gave us the crown. She's a big fan of us, follows along with everything we do. No one cares more than the group in this league office about players that are on the ice. The goal is going to be to to develop your player. Our goal is not just to dust off the shiny car that you've already become in your career. We want to take you cradle to college. We want to start you in this league. We want to put you in a spot where you're going to succeed. We want to make you a better player, make you a better person, and then send you on to your next step, which is college, professional, wherever that may be for you, the right spot for you. We can guarantee you that the Dan K Show, your most watched show in junior hockey. We thank Kevin Abrams for joining us the future's bright folks. Remastered Sleep, we thank you guys. You know, Remastered Sleep, it, you, you snore. You snore sometimes, Kevin. You're on the road. You just you can't sleep. Remastered Sleep, it's the water bottle of your dreams. These guys are medical innovators okay they're entrepreneurs in the medical field they created a water bottle that strengthens the muscles that stop snoring they stop you from snoring they learned it from a didgeridoo you can find out more go to remastered selly these are great hockey moms doing great things sprinkle it on your next meal it's delicious they got the Sinbin fire i put that on stuff it's absolutely delicious i love it top shelf score GMU Sport, we talk to those guys. We like to throw them a love every once in a while. The, the entire NCDC, though, the USPHL, we can't wait. When Dan Kays on the mic, it's always Hockey Night. Go to at the underscore Dan K show right now to the most watched show in junior hockey. By now, Lucas, over 17 times the competition. Also, according to some lists out there, now the third most listened to podcast in all of hockey, the Dan K show. That's it. Bye, guys.